filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So we, we waited till Thursday night to record this week because of I'm gesturing broadly, but they can't, the, the listeners can't see that. Um, and then I, I pushed it recording back about half an hour more because Purdue was playing IU in what, what has to be called a classic game. Unfortunately, my boilers came out at the wrong side of it. Um, and, and on the plus side, Donald, who is on the show tonight, um, standing in for Jason and Ben completely understands the need to push things back for specifically for college basketball. So oh, yeah. thank you and for your understanding. You were the right person to invite to guest on this week. Of course. And, and you know what? It, it was a classic game. Um, and I hate saying that because you have a vested interest in it um, <laughs> as a neutral fan of, of uh, who doesn't really care about either team. Uh, that was a very, very good game to watch. Uh, but that doesn't help the people who were emotionally invested in the game. I know. I, I know all too well because everyone will tell me, "Oh, that game was great. I love that game." No, no, my team lost. I don't. I yeah, don't like that. It game. was it was a stressful game. I mean, Purdue was sloppy the whole time, and IU, to their credit, made them pay. Like they forced Purdue into making slow decisions and then jumped all over them. Um, way too many points off turnovers in that I, I one. I think Purdue still won the best teams in college basketball this year. Has just been so funky when it comes to that. I, I think you guys, I, I, it's just weird, right? Like. You'll yeah. lose that game. People go like, oh, Purdue's falling off. And I just don't see it that way. I think that's yeah, just I think lightning in the, the bottom. I mean, you know this too. There's something about in-conference games that as long as you're not Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference, right? Uh, those in-conference games are always wild. Like Purdue played a two-overtime game against Illinois this weekend, which probably you know contributed to some of the late bad decision making in this yeah. one but they fought back in this one you know both teams played a great game i use going to be just fine purdue's going to be just fine uh hopefully purdue will be better than fine come march but you know we'll see we'll see where it goes yeah fun fact uh jaden ivy is related to one of my friends from high school um oh that's awesome uh, i love jaden he, he was jaden ivy is a son so i like i've literally known jade like watch jaden grow up from when he was a baby to now so the fact that he's probably you know borderline lottery pick in the, in next yeah I, i've, I've seen go. projections putting him in the top three yeah so, I, I don't i don't blame them for that so where it, where are the wizards right now in are, are they in lottery contention because if they can they, get a high pick i want i would love for him to come out here it's funny it's the one <laughs> Give year me a reason to root for the wizards one year they're gonna have some really good guys in the top three or four and they're actually doing very well they're winning they're winning their division so <laughs> Of course they are. Of course they Maybe are. they can trade up. We'll see. I mean, Who I mean, knows? go Wizards. Good for you. <laughs> yes, keep, go keep Wizards. Winning well. Keep yeah. winning. And then trade up for Jaden Ivey. And then trade up. Because <laughs> uh, the kid is good and he's just getting better. Like, oh man. Anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I am Adam Taylor. He is Donald Wine II. We are both from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United. And we've got one particular player on DC United for now to talk about and that's paul Ariola. we're also going to answer your questions in the second segment when we crack open the twitter box before we do anything though donald you you've been on this show enough you know it's coming up what are you yeah. drinking well first thanks for having me back it's been it's been a minute uh missed missed the pod so i'm glad to be back uh on it instead of just listening which i do weekly but uh, my drink tonight is uh, it was a very last minute thing so i have some uh rum from jamaica that our, our buddy Marcel got us, uh, got me oh, yeah. when I uh, went down there. So it's called Rum Bar. It's very, very strong. Uh, so I'm pairing that with a little bit of lime juice and uh, some ginger ale. So uh, nice. just a last minute go-to pour. I actually have a, a homemade mixer that w- that I'm drinking tonight that would work very well in that. Um, this Ooh. weekend, we, we you know cut up a pineapple to have snacks through the week. I took the skins, threw them in uh, with some water, some brown sugar some cinnamon sticks and made tapache which i'm nice. drinking with mezcal and uh squeeze a lime juice 
uh, top shelf limes only straight from the lime uh, your top shelf lime juice straight from the lime. That's how we do it here. Um, that would go great with your, your rum, I think. So, you know, if you want to swing by sometime and grab some tapache, I've got more than I know what to do with. Cause it, ma- it comes I'll, by the picture when the you rum. make it. I'll bring the rum. <laughs> there you go. Um, you all know what, if you've been paying any attention to DC United over the last week or so, um, even longer, you know exactly what we're talking about tonight. Um, and that is what we can officially, I think, refer to now as the Paul Areola transfer saga. Uh, he's been connected to multiple teams in MLS, multiple teams in Liga MX. The TLDR is at this point, as we record on Thursday night, he will be going to FC Dallas in exchange for a record-breaking haul of general allocation money. Uh, $2 million plus incentives is what's being reported by Tom Bogert of MLSsoccer.com. But that's only if the deal gets done, which hinges on DC United signing not one, but two designated players. Uh, one to, to replace Paul and one to, uh, that they want to sign either way. So, um, yeah, big news, but a lot of things still in flux, Donald. Um, rewinding a bit, we've had a lot of reports, some of them conflicting. It's a, it's a complicated case mod, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Um, what, what's your take on this whole thing, just big picture with Areola? Well, I, there's a lot to unpack. I know you kind of tried to summarize it, and you did so quite well. But even in that summary, there's still a lot of information that we have seen over the last few weeks. It's just, uh, first of all, I think, you know, it's no secret. I am a very, very, like, huge fan of Paul Arioli. He's one of my favorites uh, on the national team. He's one of my favorites in a D.C. United uniform. So this is a very bittersweet pill to swallow uh, that he is not going to, in theory, it seems like he will not be a member of the black red this season. So that part is hard to swallow, but I do think if there is a move out there for him, this is the most palatable one for fans of DC United, but also quite potentially could be the best move for him as a player in his career. He was on the U S soccer media day on third on Wednesday. And I was at, you know, happened to be on that call. And one of the first questions was about this transfer saga. And as it was ongoing, and he basically was like, this is the World Cup year is the most important year of my career. I need to be playing. I want to get minutes. I want to be in a situation where I can show that I can be a major part of a World Cup United States men's national team. And I think that's his goal here. And I think when we talk about, you know, we, we heard rumors from LA Galaxy, Charlotte FC, FC Dallas, Club America. And, you know, you and I have gone back and forth about, hey, if Club America calls, you listen. They are. Uh, I, I know yeah. a lot of people who don't follow Liga MX might not not realize this. Club America is the biggest club in North America, if not the entire Western Hemisphere. They have the biggest fan base of any team in the world in this part of the world. Like, take all your Real Madrid fans, like you, Donald. Take Barca fans. Take Man United, and none of them have as many people who support them in the Western Hemisphere as Club America. Yeah, they're huge. It's a huge club, and being there means you are part of the prestige that's around it, right? Like everyone talks about Club America versus Chivas, but everyone knows that Chivas is always looking up to Club America. Club America is the team of Mexico City, which is, as you said, probably the it's one of the biggest cities, if not the biggest metropolitan area mm-hmm. in North America. It's their team. There's four teams in that in that city, but it's Club America's team. Like that is city. That is would have been a great, great get for, for him as a, like his branding, right. His, as a player, just yeah. the, the prestige of it. Um, but it sounds like late, late in this saga over the last, you know, less than 24 hours, he, or, or at least there was a, there was a, a choice a decision made. And I think he's even refuted how that happened. Yes. But it sounds like Garen, it sounds like he wants to play and that the best situation for him to play regular consistent heavy minutes is at FC Dallas. Yeah, it's the the reporting was that he pulled out of consideration or basically put Club America off the table after they made a fourth offer for him. 
reportedly because they wouldn't guarantee him minutes. He kind of threw some shade on that with a Twitter meme. Um, So who knows? Maybe he he decided he wasn't going to force a move to America over an MLS club because he couldn't get that guarantee, but he was still open to the move. He just wasn't going to make that be the move. I don't know. We don't. There's a lot of information we still don't have. Um, Related. If, you know, I don't know if there are clubs out there, jobs, whatever. If you come at me with four offers, I'm going to take at least the first two. Like, like <laughs> you don't I have to go to three or four. I want someone to want me as much as Club America apparently wanted Paul Ariel. Four offers in the span of like four days is yeah. incredible. It's, it's clear that they, I mean, and, you know, coupled with all the, at least the rumors that we've seen from the Galaxy, FC Dallas, and Charlotte, all of them offering what was going to be record-breaking allocation money. Like this is a this is a big deal for the for the club as well, not just for Paul Euro, but for DC United that they're always gonna, at least for now, they're gonna be attached to the largest deal in Major League Soccer history with that player. Like that's that's a good bit bit of business for for the club. I think everyone Absolutely. should hope for that to be, you know, uh, not for back of, lack of a better word, allocated towards those resources that we need to do to reinforce the team. Absolutely. And it may be the the, the first gambit in uh, this new world of GAM because there's a lot more GAM coming in starting this year versus last year's. Anything that was TAM previously or that was mandatory TAM in past years is now GAM, um, is now general allocation money and can be used on any player and can be bundled and um, is potentially worth more or maybe worth a little bit less because there's so much of it in the system now. You, you add to that gam from sales uh, of Ricardo Pepe or the the new uh, the expansion side gam that Charlotte has. And there's a lot of it in the system. But Paul Ariel is clearly a man who's in high demand. I don't know why now. I don't know why at this point, why it didn't happen earlier in the offseason or, or why it waited until the week that preseason got underway. But it's clear that things are still moving. I think a lot of MLS teams still have a lot of business to to finish up uh, in the five and a half weeks before the season starts. But um, I want to get into more why FC Dallas. I know why DC United would choose FC Dallas over Charlotte. You don't want to send them to a conference foe. Like if you can yes. avoid that, you send them to the Western Conference every and, time. And, and on top of that, it's not just a conference foe. Yes, it is, is an expansion team, but it's our very first opponent. You, I mean, we already have a couple of guys already down there at Charlotte FC. Yeah, don't want to have a, you know a trio of guys coming back to try and exact revenge the very first game out. Yeah, imagine Ariola and Jordi Reyna combining for a couple of goals and in that first that, game. Like, <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Um, but going to FC Dallas, DC United don't play them this year um, in either location. I imagine we'll see them one way or another next season. You know, maybe in MLS Cup this year if, if everything goes well for both sides. But um, when I, when FC Dallas's name came up, the, my first thought was, was Jesus Ferreira down there who he, he's played a lot of 10 for them. It, I think it's possible anyway, that his the new coach doesn't want to play with a 10. He wants to play a four, three, three down there, which means Jesus Ferreira probably in the number nine spot. They just made him uh, the first player in their history to go from homegrown player to designated player. So he's going to be getting starters minutes and he's a false nine when he plays up top. That's how he plays for, for Burhalter. And you think about Paul Ariola, and the number one thing is for him that I think of is his off the ball direct runs at the goal. And when you have a false nine, that's what you want out of your, your wingers. So he makes a ton of sense to me for them specifically. Yeah. And I think when it comes to SC Dallas, I think, just the fact that he's able to play with Ferreira and they kind of, we've seen this on a national team in spurts. They've been able to complement each other very well. And with them losing Pepe, they, you know, it, for once FC Dallas, I can't believe I'm saying is FC Dallas wants to spend some money and, and yeah. bring in some guy to kind of re-energize the fan base. And Paul Ariola would fit in quite well there. A lot of people know, you know, I, my parents lived in the Dallas area. My dad still lives down there now. Uh, you know, that area is something where, Paul Ariola will fit right in. He will be become a pillar of the community immediately. Uh, and if his time in DC is any, you know, bellwether, uh, you know, SC Dallas fans need to get ready because he is going to inject himself in that, into that community and make him 
make them love him. If they don't love him now, they're going to love him as much as we do uh, by the middle of the season because of just, just, just his work rate and how well he complements so many other guys on the field. So I know a lot of people, and this started when he was connected to the Galaxy, and you see it some with Dallas too. There are a lot of American soccer fans who don't seem to rate Paul Areola. And a lot of them are national team fans. And um, you run Stars and Stripes FC. You talk about the national team on your podcast. Uh, so I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. What is it about specifically the national team fan that they don't see in Paul Areola that you and I do? And that DC United fans clearly do because a l- no one wants him to leave. Like we're willing to accept two million dollars for him, sure, but mm-hmm. no one, no one's first choice is for Ariel to leave DC. Yeah, I agree. And I think here's the thing: I think when it comes to the national team, you have a certain segment of social media, whether it be Twitter, comment sections, whatever, that are still involved in the deep snark that has plagued our Twitter in our social metaverse. <laughs> since 2017 (laughs) everyone wants to be the most snarky and when someone says oh this guy's trash um everyone jumps onto there and tries to you know say oh no i thought he was trash first i've I've been thinking he's trash since the beginning they all want to jump and jump on the pile and i think when it comes to paul Ariola and a lot of other guys on the team they don't think that he scores enough for them from the wing and mainly it's because at times Paul Ariel is playing in the same position that Christian Pulisic would be playing if he were on the field for, you know, a lot of times Paul Ariel is inserted into the lineup. He's not necessarily the starter in a, in a, you know, best 11, but he's going to be in the lineup if guys are out injured. And of course, Christian Pulisic, who is, you know, one of our, arguably be our best player, arguably the best player in, you know, in we've ever produced. that we've ever produced. He is, he's been out quite a bit due to injury recently. And because of that, Paul Ariola has inserted himself into the lineup. And they're two different players. Christian's going to try and go for the goal. He's going to try and, you know, be flashing the wing and be the, you know, a number 10. Paul Ariola is just there to grind. He, he's, he's there to put in a hockey shift. He's there to, you know, make it where the other team has to work hard for everything that they want to do and fail every single time. If you think about it, Sometimes you're like, hey, I didn't hear Paul Ariola's name. You kind of think about it like a, like a center back, right? If you don't call the center back's name, that means they, they had a clean, clean plate and they did very little wrong. That's what Paul Ariola is going to give you every single time in the field. But a lot of people don't want that. They want the flashy. And on the national team, they expect the national team to score 10 goals every single game and have everyone who starts is going to score a goal. The guy up front who's the number nine is it better have a hat trick. When people don't realize that during this World Cup qualifying phase, when Paul Ariola was on the field, he was the leading scorer active amongst those guys on the field when Christian Pulisic is not there. He literally leads the United States men's national team in number of goals scored, eight. Eight World Cup qualifying goals. I'm sorry, one World Cup qualifying goal, eight in total. But he has more goals than everyone that has played in World Cup qualifying thus far, except for Christian Pulisic. And still people try to compare the two and think that one is so much more better than the other. Yeah, Ariel, he, I feel like he's sneaky. He scores goals that he just pops up and scores a goal. He's not going to beat a guy on a dribble. He's not going to nutmeg you. Um, he's not that flair guy, but he, like you say, he'll grind. But he also, he, his end product isn't as high as maybe it could be. And I think he'll yeah, be the first one to tell shots. you that. Yeah, but, take shots and, and I mean there's definitely been some some uh what people will call oh you have to you have to hit that that's a sitter. He's had a couple of sitters, but he's not like end of world sitters. It's like, hey, we're up we could have been up one nothing in the twenty second minute against Mexico. Like it does not change the match, but could have influenced the match in a positive right. way. Uh one thing we've always said on this show is that he's a force multiplier. He he gets in there and scores, but he makes like the runs he makes and the work he puts in without the ball on both sides of it makes his teammates, it frees them up. It makes them better at what they do as well. Um, and you saw it when, when Lucho and, and Rooney were here without Ariola on the field to actually provide some directness, the, the team was almost rudderless. He was the one that pointed them in the right direction, said, we need the ball to go there. I'm going to run there. And obviously, you know, 
Rooney and Lucho don't need anyone to show them where the goal is, but he helped put the whole team on the right footing in a way that the two of them was a little bit too much yin and not enough yang. And he provided that counterweight. And I, I think we get that sometimes with the U S as well, where we have a bunch of central midfielders who want to play with the ball. We have some wingers who want to do tricks uh, and some strikers who need service, but you need someone out there who who's just going to say enough with the enough of this. This is all fun, but we got to put the ball mm-hmm. in that little rectangle. Let's go. And yeah, that's, and, that's his game. And he- He's going to do that, right? And, and especially here's the thing for DC United. He, it's not like he's a you know a guy that's just going to grind and not score a lot of goals. He's scored so many. He's scored quite a few goals for us and scored some big ones for us. And the last goal at RFK, I think. Yes, and and for us is because and also I think this what makes him so endearing to us and why we love him so much is that his style complemented the type of game that we were playing both under Ben Olsen and now under Hernan Lasada. His mindset was, I mean, those guys wanted someone on the field to grind it out and work so that others didn't have to. And that fits his game to a T. On the national team, people don't want grinders. They don't want the checking unit. They want, you know, they want the wingers to score. They want the forwards to score. They want the midfielders to score. They want the goalkeeper to score. Like, <laughs> there's some who literally like, yo, I'm, you know, Matt Turner's trash. He hasn't scored a goal for us yet. He hasn't allowed one. He hasn't scored one. But get him out of here. And I think that mentality is kind of, you know, that's not where I, how I approach it. You have to have some guys that are willing to do the dirty works that others don't have to. I'd rather have a Paul Ariola on the field for 90 minutes, tearing up one side of the field, making it where other guys on the other field get tired so that our stars don't have to worry about that. All they got to do is create. And I think having those compliments is what made him so wonderful here in D.C., is that we 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 had some of those guys. We had a guy who can score quite you know a number of goals. You know, Ola Kamara, gold you know golden boot you know runner up. We have Flores. We have Gresso who can serve the ball in, and Ariola could figure out a way on the field to work with each and every one of them. Even if you know you have a guy that's you know some people say they play the same position him and Gressel. They were there they were many times that they were on the field together and working well together. And I think that's that speaks a lot about Paul Ariola's game more than what any Twitter, you know, Twitter battle would say. Yeah, I think that's another misconception about Ariel that a lot of people who don't follow DC closely um, have is that he's a natural wingback playing out of position in, in the attacking midfield. And he's not. He's he's an outside midfielder who can who, who has a high work rate and is putting it on a shift. And so a lot of people think that means he has to be a defender. And he's not. He's better closer to goal, I think, than he is further back gressel's the opposite gressel can play wing very well but he's better in space than he is because he's not going to make those direct runs he's going to serve a ball he's going to make a pass um and so the two complement each other really well especially because when gressel gets all the way to the end line you have Ariola there to rotate back for temporarily and he can play that position so it worked really well at at throwing different angles and providing cover for each other and that leads me to to this question Losada very early in his tenure referred to Ariola as his best player here mm-hmm. in DC and I think it's you know y- you can make a case that Ariola was the best player for DC United last year he had 10 goal contributions in 20 games which is pretty good for a guy who is coming off of injury a lot and playing with the national team a lot um certainly better than his fellow DP here uh Edison Flores who who did not hit those marks um you know, you can make obviously make a case for Ola Kamara, Andy Nahar, Julian Gressel. I and I would probably pick one of them over Ariola, but but you can make a case for Ariola, is my point. And with a full off season, without a loan to Wales, without coming off an ACL, um, I think he's primed for a big year this year. And I'm I'm a little sad to see him go, and I'm a little surprised that DC United is is willing to move him. And if you know, based on some reporting, Hercules Gomez said that it was DC United who was pushing him, pushing to move him this offseason, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me either. No, it doesn't. And, you know, you, you just mentioned a lot of things that it just brought up a lot of memories. Remember, we were talking about Paul Ariola, the right back. We've also talked about Paul Ariola, the right center defensive mid. We've talked about Paul Ariola, <laughs> yes. the right wing. We've talked about Paul Ariola, the left wing. Paul Ariola, right the pressing there. 10. Paul Ariola, the, the second 10. forward. The, the second striker, like he is so versatile. And it, again, it speaks to his game that 
as a DP, I mean, he, I mean, when he came here, he was still a young DP, became an actual DP, and we have played him out of position for like half his time here, and he took it every single time. He said, hey, wherever you need me to play, I just want to play. Uh, when he's playing left wing on the national team and right back on, the, on, on DC United, he didn't complain. He, he accepted whatever role that he was being offered and played exceptionally well when he was on the field at those times. Did he, I mean, could he have scored a hundred goals? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's, you know, you could say, yeah, he could probably score a hundred goals, but if you look at his time here, he wasn't afforded that opportunity, but he made the most of all his opportunities. And like you said, this year, he wasn't on the team as much because he was off for the gold cup for a month, he, you know, national team duties and just, you know, that just getting back into shape after tearing his ACL. And at the same time, he was still able to thrive when he was on the field and made it where Hernan Lasada was like, I can't, I'd rather move him to another part of the field than take him off because he's so indispensable. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sad to see him go. If he does go, like I said at the top though, it, it is contingent on DC United lining up a replacement uh, based on all the reports we've seen, which I think is correct. I've been saying on this podcast, I'm going to take a victory lap here. I've been saying on this podcast for, for weeks, if not months, that it would take $2 million of GAM to pry him loose. It would take that record level for it to be worth DC United letting him go to another MLS team. And even then, only if they had a replacement. And I feel like I nailed that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang my coat on that one. At a certain, at a certain point, you just, you're also like, you know, who... Who it is though? Like, can we? Yeah. Can we? Can we get a hint? Like, you know, because honestly, they're saying, you know, the reports are saying that they're close to signing two, that they yeah. haven't got those two across the finish line. This deal apparently hasn't gone across the complete finish line. Or, I mean, they're starting to take the pictures and and the you know the victory victory formation. But yeah, we, you're we you're hearing the music. Bum 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 bum. Yeah. Bum. Yeah. They're gonna find a home stretch of all these deals, but. It's interesting that we haven't heard anything. We've heard so much about the Paul Ariola transfer saga. We've heard nothing about who these replacements might be, yeah. where they might be coming from, what positions they play, and what kind of – honestly, because, Adam, this is the first time we've had to do this under Lasada, and it's going to be interesting for us as fans to you know, kind of see what's in his mind as to, hey, what, who are the big guys that I need to round out the style of Lasada ball that I want to play? It's going to be interesting to see who those guys end up being. Yeah, especially because, as we've said, Ariel is so suited, so perfectly suited to maximum overdrive. He's just, he's there. He's exactly what you want. So um, I, I wonder whether this was a case of both sides kind of agreeing that it was time to move on. It was time for DC United to recoup some of that investment in the league or out of the league and Ariola to, to maybe play in a role that's more like what he's going to play on the national team and try to impress Burhalter that way? I don't know. Um, like I said, we're, there, there's just so much information we don't have. Either way, I would say buckle up, because as, as Jason Anderson um, from this podcast and Black and Red United put out on Twitter, he's been told that the next day and two days are going to be really big for finalizing deals. So this is obviously the biggest right now, and it can only be finalized if one or two other very big deals get done. So Lucy Rushton, her staff, Dave Casper, they're putting in the hours this week. So um, if you run into one of them out uh, somewhere, you know, buy him a drink or something because. Or, or tell him, get back in the office, finish the yes. deal so we can done. <laughs> no, get and him then, a drink first and then yes. send him back to the office. Yeah. <laughs> not too hard of a drink, not too heavy, not too, not too high alcohol. Not you know. I'm drinking. They got to work. Yeah. Buy, buy him a low ABV beer, a nice, Session beer is what you got. A, a Rattler. Yeah. <laughs> I will say there was guy, I no mean, shandies, uh, though. No shandies. I, I saw, you know, Steve Goff has said that there was a guy in training, uh, Hayden Sargas, who had been reported. Uh, he's, a, he's a young kid. I think he's 19, uh, played mm -hmm. last year in Sacramento Republic. And yep. there had been talk about him coming in for to provide depth at center back. Uh, so it sounds like at least that is close to being across the finish line. But I know fans are like, that's not, they can't be the, the big domino. And we're waiting for the right. big domino or dominoes to fall. Like, I think it's low key though. Uh, Sargas is a great move. You're getting a guy who yeah. plays 33 games in USL before he turned 20, like 33 games in a season, one season before mm -hmm. he turns 20. 
um, and playing for an independent USL club, not an MLS two side. He's not a development project. They were playing to win and they played him. Um, so he's a he's good, good prospect to bring in. Watching him play, he's very, very good. He shows a lot of promise. I will say that, you know, when, when I heard his name, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, he's good. Uh, seen him play a few times, but he can't, he's not the, the answer. So I need fans to understand that when he's touted as the first signing of this offseason, or I guess one of the first, you know, coming in from uh, outside of the club, one of those signings, he can't be viewed as the answer to our, to any depth issues or whatever. He's going to come in here and he's going to, again, try to come in here to compete and contribute and be hopefully part of a, a young core that we're, as we start to kind of think about, you know, you know, I don't want to think about this for a few more years, but we have to start thinking about Birnbaum successors, right? Like yeah. Rian has just retired. Uh, Donovan Pines is starting to come into his own. Like who is going to be that guy that kind of, you know, rides alongside him. And there's a couple of candidates out there, but uh, that's what Sargas is here for. He's here to compete and hopefully be a part of that young core moving forward. Yeah. He's a longer term development play, um, which you need those two, right? Like a healthy club, you're going to be getting stronger this year and also making moves that make you stronger down the line. And I think he's definitely that latter kind of move. So I'm, I'm here for that. Uh, last bit of news before we take a break. Uh, new goalkeeper coach, Zach Thornton left, um, I believe, to go to Houston. Is that where yes. he ended up? Yeah, he's with the Dynamo. Uh, so DC United needed a new goalkeeper coach. And it's someone who who might sound familiar to people who've been around DC for a long time. Diego Restrepo uh, is coming. I believe he, he had a cup of coffee, a trial with DC United at mm-hmm. one point several years ago. Um, He's in his early 30s. I think 33 is what Steve Goff said. But um, he he's, I, as near as I can tell, starting to make a name for himself as a pretty good goalkeeper coach. So it'll be interesting to see him come in. Uh, he's not that much older than Bill Hamid. If he's older at all, I'm not even sure how old Bill is at this point. Bill is like 31. So he's, I mean, they're about the same age. Yeah, they're they're peers kind of. So it'll be interesting to see see that relationship. Um, I'm excited to see it, you know, filling out the coaching staff is, you know, not necessarily the most exciting thing, but it's, it's important to get good people out there. And DC United has at least one other spot to fill at this point. So, um, it'll be interesting to see who they, who they bring in and Restrepo is a young guy. It'll be, uh, I wonder what the, the profile of coach they're looking for is. Yeah. Zach Thornton, you know, low key has been here quite a while. Um, I yeah. mean, Adam, if you remember, he was here in the last like what two or three years at RFK where we would still have the equipment sale. And I would camp out at three in the morning (laughs) to be number one in line because I knew Zach Thornton wore my size and I knew I could get all the Zach Thornton gear I wanted and no one would be able to stop me. So uh, (laughs) I, I, for for that, that in itself alone, I, I lament him uh, departing, but he really has done a number, uh, especially Bill, Bill has credited him with uh, revitalizing his career after he came back from, uh, Michelin and you know now we have a young core of guys and it sounds like we're trying to sign another one that kind of compete uh, yeah. with Bill uh, for minutes or maybe be his successor hopefully or Restrepo does we're not in a situation where Restrepo has to go Pat Onstead and, oh, yeah. and go from goalkeeper <laughs> coach to actually signing a short-term contract and appearing on the field I feel like MLS has progressed beyond that, but you never know. We still have like I hope so. We if still it happens, have the, the taxi though, goalkeepers, though. If it happens, uh, I'm going to insist that he pay tribute to Pat Onstat and wear the mismatching goalkeeper uniform, the shirt and the pants that the long pants at that that don't fit. If he wants to put a baseball cap on and go full Onstat, that's fine with me too. But or I'm going to insist on the mismatch. Got to the turtle net, especially yes. this if it's like the first couple games. Got to go turtle net. <laughs> All right, we're going to leave you with that image to to mull over uh, during this break. We will be right back. It's filibuster. All right, say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens, and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights. In that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or or something worse happens, Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. 
That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the Ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. As we record this, we are nine days away from DC United's first preseason game of 2022, which feels wild to say. It is weird to to think we're that close to seeing DC United on the field. Uh, we don't know what they're going to look like in nine days, but we'll we'll find out. It feels like a good occasion, though, to break open the Twitter box and answer a few listener questions. We've got three of them picked out from what you sent in tonight. Um, the first one comes from Paris Arolifus at Lofus89 on Twitter, who asks, do you think the lack of roster additions so far this offseason is because DC has swung and missed behind the scenes, or do you think it's because ownership lacks sufficient ambition and financial commitment? That is a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a lot happening there. Yeah. And honestly, I think, and we obviously don't know, but it's, we've heard rumors about, you know, various finance issues and various deals, you know, people being shopped around. Obviously we have the, the Areola transfer saga, which can't be completed until we get two more DPs. So it sounds like they're also in the market for some of these guys. And I think, honestly, it's just this offseason has been weird for a lot of teams. I mean, we've seen lots of GAM money being shelled out. You mentioned in the last segment about how kind of GAM is re- reset for a lot of teams. It, you know, Charlotte FC is coming into the league, and they're trying to make a splash with the throwing money at everything and everybody, including kitchen sinks and, and walls and, you know, <laughs> trees and Tile. everything. Tile. Yeah, they're trying to build the whole, build the whole ranch. And so you have that kind of skewing some of these numbers as well. And then you have some of, you know, some of the best players in in the league thinking about their future, thinking about it being a world cup year, also it being a world cup qualifying month, which is unique. Uh, Yeah. Rarely does that happen in January. So you have a lot of guys who are going on international duty and you have guys who have gone to Europe. Uh, So it's interesting how this is, but at the end of the day, I think, for the team to succeed, they have to be able to uh, like be better at communicating what their plans are. And uh, that's the idea is in the lack of information and in the lack of an announcement, people are going to kind of take it to whatever limit they want to take it to. So if they go, hey, I know we haven't had any signings, but we're trying to go after a striker. We're trying to go after another goalkeeper. We're trying to go after this. That will help ease the fears of a lot of people who just think they're sitting in the offices playing tiddlywinks. We know they're not doing that, but because there's no information coming down about, or even a lot of rumors, I mean, in anything, think about it. We've barely had a rumor even about the New Jersey that's coming out. So like yeah. even that oh, information. I, I mean, you saw, you saw uh, footy headlines had the report. DC United's yeah. New Jersey is going to be black with red and white trim. <laughs> It literally, well, they literally in the article they go, uh, Pablo Meyer uh, said this, and so we're just they just typed up what he said and said, "Here's your article." And found but the Adidas like, color even, palette. Yeah, amazing. but even that, like, it's you know, in previous years we would get a teaser, or even in some years we would have the jersey by now. Yeah, so or that at least would give people something to, to know about. when it's going to come out. Yeah, and it gives people something to talk about. And I think that's what people are lamenting right now is we don't have anything to talk about other than will Paul or won't Paul go. Like, that's really the, been the talking point in the last couple of days because that's all we've been getting. And so I think that is where uh, – and, and honestly, there's some teams who will say, you know what, we're going to do it with the team we got. We have these guys. That's been DC United in the past before. Yeah, and we've said, hey, we're not going to have a lot of signings. We're going to bring up a couple guys. We've signed a couple of guys from uh, Loudoun County as homegrowns. 
And so I'll be interested to see how they are integrated into this team. And there's still a lot of questions, right? Like there's still a lot of young guys who could get bigger roles as people leave. And that's exciting because we've been excited about these kids for a long time. And now they get the keys to the, to the Porsche. Let's see how they drive. But I think we just need something to talk about. We need something to get us excited about what we're about to witness. Yeah. I think it's also been that there's been more roster churn this year than in a lot of recent years. We saw Junior Moreno is probably not coming back. Felipe is almost certainly not coming back. Frederick Briant and Chris Seitz both retired. Uh, Seitz just announced his this week, and congratulations mm-hmm. to him on a, on a yeah, great career. The, the and, and, you know, I think he might be the all-time MLS Humanitarian of the Year, or at least have a, an argument for it, because he, he took a season off, basically, to donate bl- bone marrow to a complete stranger, and not a lot of people would do that, so... You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sites is a real world hero. It's, um, I, I, I'm excited to see what he does next too, because he, he's got a great head on his shoulders. He's going to do something great in retirement, uh, as well. But we, we've seen people leave, and now Ariola, you know, one of the most beloved players on the team, leaving. As far as the actual question, I think it's a little bit of both and also neither. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's been really big misses this offseason. They, they went in late for Albert Rusnak, um, which would have been a, a, a great swoop for DC United. I think he would fit in very well here uh, in Losada's system, especially that the 3-4-3, him lining up opposite Edison Flores, I think would be a great look for this team. Uh, but when the Seattle Sounders say, we want to make you a DP and pay you what you're asking – there's not a lot of teams in MLS that are going to be able to compete with that because the Sounders are guaranteed to go to the Western Conference final every single year because they are the best run team in the league. There's just no question. So you get that opportunity, you're, you're going to take it. DC United tried, they didn't get it. It happens. Uh, it doesn't mean they're incompetent. It doesn't mean they're cheap. It means the Seattle Sounders were also after the same player. Uh, DC United was connected with, connected with uh, Yaya Boa who ended up going to Columbus. I don't know if that's because Columbus had the discovery claim in first on him, if they'd been scouting him for longer or if they were offering more money than DC United. We don't know. We don't know the details. Uh, It may have been that they just rated him higher and it's not that DC United was cheap. It's that they didn't think he was worth what Columbus was willing to pay. It, that might've been the, might not have been the case at all. We don't know is the thing. So I, I don't know if you can assume cheap, especially after the team, you know, in 2020, going into 2020, broke their transfer record um, from just two years before that, which was Paul Areola. They broke it to bring in Edison Flores, who who hasn't totally worked out yet. There's a chance he will this year. I would love to see him completely ball out and have a best 11 caliber season. I don't think the odds are super high that that's going to happen, but I would love to see it. But I don't think it's that the team lacks the financial wherewithal we've seen them open Audi field, open the the performance center out in Loudon, open the new stadium in Loudon, set up a, a USL team and keep it in USL instead of moving it down to MLS next pro. So I think that there's, we, we've seen them stand up a, a better and bigger scouting department with Lucy Rushton at GM. Um, there's a lot of financial commitments that have been made that aren't necessarily roster spend. And so I, I think you can say that there might be a lack of ambition for high-end DPs. Like, they're not going out and signing Lorenzo Insigne. That's just – they're not going to be at Toronto's level of ambition. Yeah, they're not going to be at the LA Galaxy's level of ambition or, or Seattle even or, or Toronto's level when it comes to signing individual players. But they know they're not playing in those sandboxes, so they're going elsewhere. And I think sometimes those moves, especially if you have a player who – wants to move but might want to stay in Europe but is really interested in coming over you kind of have to wait those transfers out and they take two or three windows to happen sometimes and that's usually like you hear every time DC United makes a new signing from abroad it's oh we've had our guy our eye on this guy for two years now um, and we've we've been in contact with them and it takes working them up and sometimes you have to wait till the very end of the window or the very end of the preseason even to get those over the line. And, you know, it's a 34-game season. You might lose a couple games with that player at the outset, but it's better to get the job done than to just grab somebody like uh, Marcelo Gallardo 
when Juan Sebastian Verone falls through. Uh, it's better to get the right person than just snatch at someone you can get right away. So just think about, just do on this for a second. Club record for a transfer into the team, Edison Flores. Before that, Paul Areola. Club record for players transferring out. Yes, yes. Paul Areola. Nowhere near the top of that list, Wayne Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going somewhere else. Areola was the record incoming transfer. That was broken by Edison Flores. Areola sets the record outgoing transaction. Maybe that gets broken by Edison Flores. <laughs> Maybe. And, and honestly, it could be broken by Kamara because he's been, sounds like he's been chopped around. Uh, Edison Flores, you know, I think his issue is that he's been consistently hurt more than he's been yes. consistently excelling. Uh, he even picked up a knock in Peru's friendly last week. Thankfully, it seems like he's okay and he's going to go back to Peru. Yeah, DC United uh, actually made him. They were like, no, you're not getting an MRI in Peru. You're coming here. We're doing it. And they're like, okay, it really does check out. You're fine. Go back. Mm-hmm. You can play. Yeah, because um, they've been burned on that before, and I, I, yeah. I don't blame them for doing that. So I think when it comes to this, like, our DPs haven't worked out because various reasons. There's only been a couple that have worked out where we leave and we go, wow, that was great. Wayne Rooney is probably at the top of that recent list, but you can go back and you can say, I mean, even Lucho like kind of waned after Wayne Rooney left. But when I, when I think about, I mean, both, both DPs. Sorry. Both of them kind of faded that last year they were here. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it it probably Wayne, cause he was juggling a lot of things, right? Like he was trying to, he was trying to get into coaching and, and honestly, like I, He's still connected to this club in a way where he's got me watching Derby County games <laughs> on weekends when they're on TV. So well, like, maybe he'll be in Everton soon enough. Maybe, maybe just maybe. <laughs> well, they, they have a job open. So, um, but yeah, I, I think when it comes to DPs, uh, save for Wayne Rooney, we're trying to find the diamond in the rough where other people are trying to yeah. go for either the flashy thirty-five-year-old uh, legend from England or from from somewhere in Europe. Or, you know, a flashy, uh, like, in their prime player from South America or Central America. And that's just not who we are. But I think Edison Flores was the first crack at getting someone in his prime from South America who was a legend in South America, or at least in in his country of Peru. And the only reason it hasn't worked out, in my mind, is because of the injuries, not because of what he can do on the field. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I still have faith that he can i think it's still a a non-zero possibility that he could have a great season this year and next year and the year after that like he actually i think he could do some really good things here uh he's got to be healthy for it he's got to be available for it and he's just been snake bit uh hopefully this this uh winter's off-season fitness regimen was was properly tailored to him and he will come in strong and fast and ball out a secret, a small thing that I think DC United fans should root for uh, is for Peru to not be in the Interconfederation playoff because that'll happen yes. in June. And I think having those two extra matches on top of uh, everything else, and I know they're going to have, um, they had Copa America last year, uh, I want to say, um, where like that is prime for giving it your all for your country to try and make a World Cup is honestly where some bad things can happen because you're overexerting yourself in, in, in over, you know, just giving that extra effort. And that's where sometimes things can go awry. We want them to not be in those games because if he's just taking that window off, that means those are going to be two games where DC United can have him and he can really say, Hey, now I have to switch my gears to being in the world cup and trying to make that team. The summer is where I think he can break out, but to do that, I need to have Peru not in that interconfederation game. Absolutely. Next question comes from Trevor Crowell at the Bad Idea Labs on Twitter. Asks us, Uh-oh. do you think any of the current DC United players play Catan anymore? If you don't know for certain, who would be the most likely regulars at Labyrinth Games and Puzzles on Capitol Hill? Do you play Catan, Donald? Do you, Have I you don't... ever played... I've played, yes, I don't play regularly, but I have played a few times um, and fairly good at it. I won't say I'm super excellent at it, but once you know the rules of the game, you kind of have a strategy and strategy is the name of the game. So uh, 
but I think for this team, I know it's not our youngsters. I only say this because it doesn't seem like a game that they're playing yet. This seems like a game that you need to be closer oh, I don't to know. your prime. I could see Mo Nyman like, going in and just like playing a Monopoly card and taking everyone's brick. And everyone well, think, would be mad. Like, I feel like Mo Nyman. I think would. he'd be good at it. I just yeah. don't think that they're just sitting at home like all the, all the you know, 19, well, they used 18, to play 19 year olds. Locker room at RFK. There was a oh, there was true. a set of Catan at the lock in the locker room, and they would play it. I, I bet Burnbaum would play. Burnbaum, yeah, Burnbaum. Um, I was trying to think honestly. I think uh, as far as like deception is concerned, it, you know, he's not on the team. He doesn't seem like he's going to be on the team anymore. But Felipe, I think Felipe would have been a really good shot as to the best on the team. Uh, I bet if you introduced him to something like the game diplomacy, or or like. Uh, werewolf, something that requires just social deception. Um, he would be absolutely amazing at it. But I feel like he doesn't strike me as the kind that's going to sit down and play a board game. He's going to be outside doing something, going dancing or or doing something. Yeah, well, I think if he did play the board game, right, I, I think yeah. he'd be that guy that's kind of like sitting in the cut, chilling, like, hey, you know, you know I'm a good guy. And then there's going to be a point where someone's going to make a move <laughs> and he's going to be like, Why'd you do that? And then, he, and then he's just going to go and just, I'm just going to take all of your, like, that's, that's, <laughs> before you know it, Felipe has just destroyed half the game. And you're like, what, 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 why do we do this? We <laughs> and he'll do it all with a smile on his face. And you will like, be like happy about it at the end. It's weird. Yeah, You'll be happy and terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Last question uh, for this episode comes from Jimmy R who's at DCU underscore Gooner on Twitter. Uh, he asks us with the news of Moreno, junior Moreno looking less likely to return conversation is turning to Moses Nyman stepping up in that role. Obviously we need midfield depth, but do you think the depth we should bring in should be starting quality or thereabouts to, to bail Nyman out if he hits a rough patch or one that's a step below and likely cheaper to simply offer a rotational option and let Moses work it out as the starter. So this is, this is a longer-term question I think we're going to have to get into during preseason. Is Last year, we, Jason uh, set a, a minutes target of 1,000 minutes for Nyman. He didn't quite make it. He, he was well on track for the first half of the season and then basically couldn't sniff the field after that red card that he got. Um, but maybe he steps up this year. Who knows? I think that's a great question because I see a lot of promise in Moses – and I think I think a lot of us do, and we've seen flashes of that promise in the last year and a half. Like if you think about it, since you know, September what twenty twenty, we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of that promise when he and Griffin Yao and Kevin Paredes have been, uh, you know, guys who could come onto the field and make a difference and make an impact. We go, hey, if they can do that on a regular basis, we'll be just fine. There's the call of, you know, play the kids and give them those growing pains, but you don't want to just hand it to them, right? So I would say you go after a guy who is starter capable, not necessarily like, hey, you got to insert him in the lineup, but like starter capable, where like you said, if there's a slip up or if there's an injury or if there's, if Moses plays well enough, like my thing is Moses could play well enough where he's getting looks at friendlies for the United States and the national team or the nation's league this yep. summer where he can go and get, get that experience. That would be well, great. And have a guy that's starter capable to come in and say, Hey, I, you know, Moses gone. I can hold the fort down, but also to push it right. To, to know mm-hmm. that Moses is like, yo, you're not, you're, you're not starting because we gave it to you. We're starting because you've earned it through your hard work and through your tenacity and through your play. I think that is the key here. I don't think we should have ever have anyone come in that's just there to, you know, ride the bench and, and read a book until it's time for him to come in into off chance. We want guys being pushed every single day in practice because that's how you get better. We want guys who, if one guy is out for whatever reason, next guy up, next guy can step in and you, and you as a coach and us as fans can say, Oh, he's out, but this guy's in cool. Feel totally confident about this game. We still can get get three points. That's what I want to see. And I think honestly, Moses and and even Griffin and Kevin are at a point now where they don't need to be have their hands held and walked on. They're they're in the they're in the deep end now and they're swimming. 
So let them swim. Yeah, um, we definitely need depth. I I think we are in more in need of higher spend, higher up the field, uh, especially with Areola going, probably going. Um, but I, I really want, at for those two spots behind the nine, I really want there to be three absolutely no question starter quality players for those two spots. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to say the same for those two central midfield spots. You need three, no doubt, starting quality players there to, to compete for it. And then I think as the coach and as the, the front office, you have to say, we are going to make sure Nyman gets his share of time in there. He gets to show himself in there because he is, a, a young asset for the club, whether that's developing him to sell him or developing him to be a lifetime legend of this club, you have to make sure he, as long as he's doing the work in practice and he's not overwhelmed in the game, which I think he's shown no signs of being overwhelmed in the game. Um, you have to get him on the field for a, at least a good chunk of time, whether that's for Knaus or for whoever else. And I think you have Scundrich backing them up by and large, but I think you do need someone who's on at least the same level. Um, I'm always a fan of saying, you know, you build depth by adding starters and making your starters into depth. Basically, that's how you get better as a team. Um, It's got to be the right fit. It's got to be someone who can play uh, with either Knauss or Nyman, because I think you're going to have to rotate through there. Um, And so it's got to be someone who's got versatility, who can cover ground, who can get in the tackle and who can transition the ball forward. Like those are all things you have to have a really high quality central midfield to play uh, maximum overdrive. And I think that's what you have to go for. What I I wouldn't mind a DP in that spot, to be honest, Uh, knowing that you're going to have to rotate through Um, and Nyman might not start off the season as first choice. And you, you let him beat Knauss or beat whoever else to get to that spot. Um, but I don't think you have to make him the permanent starter necessarily. He's got to get enough minutes to, to show himself certainly, mm-hmm. but I have no problem if the team, you know, goes over the top and gets a really like a great central midfielder there. I can also entertain the, the theory also that you get somebody that can pick up where the weaknesses are, right? Like if you know, yeah. like one player is, is more defensive minded than off than attack minded, there's going to be times where that philosophy doesn't hold in the weight of the game, right? Like you need two goals in, in 10 minutes. You're not going to keep a guy on who's defensive mighty. You want to bring on someone who's going to go forward and try to get goals. You may need to bring on someone who's a box to box guy or a little bit taller or a little bit, you know, like a little bit, you know, quicker or whatever, right? You need to have those, you know, compliments, right? So maybe that other guy is someone who, isn't necessarily the same player is a similar player, but may have some attributes that are a little bit different from Moses or a little bit different from, from Russell, where if one of them is not there, you know, you still have those options or you have, you at least have that versatility to go, Hey, we need to switch this up. This isn't working or we need to switch this up in the last 10 minutes because we're, we're holding a one, one lead. I need this guy because they're sending balls into the box and trying to go at whoever's being guarded by Moses because Moses is, like five, six, right? I need to bring on a guy who's six foot. Generously. (laughs) Like I need to bring on a guy who's six foot who has similar qualities, but because he's taller, I just need him on at that moment. And it's not a slight to Moses, but it's more of a, Hey, the tactics of the game at this, at the heat of this moment calls for this player to be in the game. And that player will be able to step on and be ready to contribute. And I think at the same time, you could do the same thing where you go, Hey, this is the moment where Moses needs to step up and he can be brilliant in this role at this moment put him on the field, see what he can do. I think that is what it sounds like. I mean, it sounds like what Lasada is looking for. And it, and all we saw last year is that, you know, where our, our shape kind of changed a little bit at times. Yeah. And it's because the guys we brought out to the field weren't necessarily the same player, but they had attributes that were slightly different than it were that called for that at the, at that time. Yeah. One thing I do want to, spend time thinking about is a central midfield of Knaus and Nyman because they, they do seem to complement each other really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Moreno and Knaus complemented each other really well. You had Knaus, who's the, the all action go anywhere, cover more ground than anyone in the league 
destroyer and Moreno would sit back behind and clean up the messes, like put out fires that, that, you know, that basically stomp out the embers from after Canals put out the fires. And then what was missing from the two of them, I think was ball progression, getting the ball forward through that space. And so United spent a lot of time building up the wings, basically going through Paredes or Gressel. If you have Nyman in the middle, he's someone who you can build through. He can carry the ball forward. He's got a great passing range and a great eye. He's not a number 10, but he, in that middle third, especially deeper in that middle third, he can build you forward and get you into the final third. Um, And I think having him not necessarily sitting behind Knaus, but stepping into that junior Moreno role and putting out fires or stomping out embers, however you want to put it, um, and then being the guy that you build through going forward, I think that that is a role that suits him perfectly, especially with Knaus being the the muscle to run around and cover ground uh, without the ball. And Knaus can also do stuff with the ball. Um, but that gives you the ball progression. And then my only question is, who's the late runner out of midfield um, to give you that extra goal threat? And Knaus was so close to being it last year. He, he could have had a few goals um, off of set pieces and also coming in late from midfield. But those are the two things that I think we really need to, to take the next step out of that central midfield zone is ball progression and uh, a little bit of goal scoring. And I think Nyman can help with one of those at least, and maybe Knaus can step up and provide the other. I think it's interesting you say that because it, I think when it comes to Knaus, he's a six who can play an eight, right? At times like, he could go forward, not necessarily go like forward and attack, but like you said, he's he's a bull anywhere on the field. He will he will tear you up up front, in the back, wherever, right? I think Moses is a guy who could be creative in the eight role and not necessarily do it all the time, but he can be that guy where you're like, hey, we need to be creative on attack. We need to go forward a little bit. He has no fear in going forward. He may make some mistakes and he's yeah. shown that he's shown that he's a guy that he will go forward, he will go right into that mistake. And then next time he'll go right forward. And then when you think that mistake's about to happen again, he figures out a way to get around it because he's learned from it. I think that's part of the growing process and and part of the trusting process, which I think uh, Lasada trusts him a lot more because of all the moves that we've seen in the off season of guys who may not be coming back. Because I think when it comes to him, he has that 10, he has that ability to go forward and say, Hey, I don't need to command the offense and I don't need to be the quarterback of this attack, but I can, you know, you know, be the punter, right? Like kind of get it forward and then be there to kind of service and restart as a point guard would in basketball. We were talking about basketball to to Mm -hmm. hold open the show, kind of be the point guard to not necessarily shoot the three, but to distribute and just kind of pass the ball around the, around the wing. And okay. It's coming from the left. I'll receive it, kick it right back to the right guys go right back at the goal and see what you can do. I think, he has the ability to do that, and because him and Russ complement each other so well, he can go forward sometimes and do that, and then at times he'll he'll slough back, and Russ will be the guy that goes forward. I think that's what we're looking to see how that works in the preseason to kind of see where yeah. what Lasada's taking the neck. Absolutely, in my head, I don't. I have no idea if this is actually how it will play out, but in my head, it's weird. Nyman is the deeper uh, of the two of them on defense. Knaus is the one who would step up and press. And, mm-hmm. you know, try to chase the ball in transition while Nyman sits back to, to clean up. But then when United's in possession or an attacking transition from deep, Nyman's the one who goes forward more. Um, and so the, the two of them are, would end up having similar average positions. It's just situational on when they go forward or not. Um, and then and maybe even in the final third, Knaus becomes the one again who goes forward more. So it's, you know, one it'll guy- be really interesting. One guy we haven't talked about this episode, but we talked about, you know, guys coming in. Brandon Hines Ike, like, is in yeah. on a permanent transfer. He's a guy that can, you know, he's like JJ Redick. You know, I'm a Duke guy. He's like JJ Redick. He can <laughs> launch from wherever. We seeped into the first game last year. So, you know, yep. there's going to be times where if he's on the field, he can go up and you can have both Russ and, and Moses kind of sit back and quarterback from, you know, from the point, if you want to say, uh, and just kind of go, yo. You go up, you launch from from deep, and if you go up and you launch from deep, and there's a long, you know, another counterattack, you got two guys that can 
run back really quickly and stop the momentum so that he can get back. I think that's going to be a key too because both he and Donovan Pines will go forward when we're on the attack sometimes, especially Pines and Andy Nahar, of his errors. And Andy Nahar, yeah. So you have guys that are going to go forward. You need to have guys that are going to be able to also go forward with you but have the speed to run back. That's where I think Moses can thrive in too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see him, whether or not DC United signs someone to you know, either – be the presumptive starter in that space or not. Um, I'm excited for, for the two of them this year. I'm more excited now after talking to you, Donald, than I've been uh, since the Areola news started. So I'm looking forward. It's it's going to be an interesting week. I think by the time we record our next episode, there, there will be some hard news to discuss. And I it's, certainly hope that's the case. It's funny. In, in this winter, it's been like the snow. You wake up in the morning and you see, you look outside and you wonder if it's snowing. And sometimes it is, and today it was not. But like today, we woke up. We're like, "What's up with what's up with the Ariella trade?" Oh, we have news. What's the news? It's kind of like I don't want to say it's like Christmas Day because you're not necessarily opening gifts every day, but it's definitely something where you wake up in anticipation of what is coming next. And I think we can talk about that for the next, as you said, nine days until the first preseason game, when we get to then shift our focus to what we saw on the field and yes it's a preseason game and we will overreact to everything that we see on it but at least we'll have that to talk about and i think that's where that's where the anticipation is for me that's where the excitement is because i think even for me like i I, there's a chance i might be able to get to see them twice in preseason live you know being out in la for sheba leaves they're going to be out in palm springs in la during that time so i'm going to try to hopefully get to at least one of those games but even that is like something to look forward to. The season's close. We're, we're getting close to the point where we, we don't have to worry anymore. We just have to be excited. We just have to get through this period where, again, if the team could just tell us where their head's at or yes. just have some more news come down the pike about guys coming in, I think that's going to generate even more excitement. Yeah. The police in your neighborhood obviously agree, too. Oh, yeah. They, they always love D.C. United, especially when I talk about D.C. United. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening this week. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at blackandredu for the website, at filibusterdcu for the podcast. I am 202AMT. Donald is at blazondw on Twitter. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, I think that's all you can do on podcatchers, but if there's another action, let me know and I'll add it to the list. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, just you know, enjoy us wherever you may find us. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show, especially with the new season coming up. Uh, we've been on for 10 years. I think most people ha- who, who pay attention have heard of us, but just in case, mention the podcast. That's still the best way to get the word out. For Donald and the absent Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. And Donald, we're going to have you on next month. We're going to have yes. you back. It's Looking February. Forward to it. We got to have you on. And Paul, we love you. Say goodbye, Donald. Bye, Donald. Bye, Donald.